Hi, I'm Michael Stittle. And I'm Nick Danos. And welcome to Trendline. So it's going to be a busy show, Nick. Uh, we're, you know, the Prime Minister has enjoyed pretty good support during the pandemic, uh, but that may be coming to an end with this ongoing we scandal uh, in which the Prime Minister and Finance Minister Bill Marneau failed to recuse themselves from the WE charity contract with the federal government. Uh, we're going to look at that, but then next we're going to talk about uh, previous apologies from the Prime Minister, um, their messaging, how they're handling this, and what lies ahead for the party. And then at the very end of the show, as usual, we'll have your uh, next prediction with a bit of a twist, if I can say that, uh, in, this, in this episode. So, uh, Nick, what are the latest numbers now for the party, for the Liberals? Well, the, the latest uh, Nanos Weekly ballot numbers have, have the Liberals at around 35%, Conservatives at 29 NDP at 17 But, you know, to put this into context, so right now they have a six-point advantage, mm-hmm. which is not too bad, right? Yep. But we rewind. Like, we, if we rewind four weeks, four weeks ago, they had an 11-point, a double-digit advantage over the Conservatives. Right. So what we've seen, especially in the last couple of weeks, Liberal support declining, and uh, their advantage over the can we say leaderless conservatives? I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think that might be harsh for some people. But why don't we say the conservatives who are waiting for a new leader? Why don't mm-hmm. you mystic? Fair. But uh, you know the the conservatives are basically only six points back now mm. uh, compared to four weeks ago when they were eleven points back. So the trend right now is not favoring the federal Liberal Party. And as you uh, just referenced, this is a four-week tracking number, right? So this is, we're just seeing the beginning of potential we fallout because that's only happened in, in, let's say, the last week or so. Yeah, exactly, because the the number four weeks ago was a little better than the number last week. Mm -hmm. So it's got some, uh, there's there's probably some negative momentum right now working against uh, the liberals. And uh, they've got a... They've got to make, they, somehow they have to figure out a way to uh, stop losing support because uh, right now it looks like the, there's uh, some Canadians that are drifting away from the Liberals, uh, even setting aside uh, what's happened during the pandemic mm-hmm. and uh, views that Canadians have had over that course. Now, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was back in the House this week uh, and outgoing Conservative leader Andrew Scheer had an opportunity to, to ask him about the WE uh, charity scandal. Uh, and the prime minister kept trying to change, you know, the channel back to the pandemic, which, which you know, has, has been uh, good for his support, essentially, because Canadians like how he's been handling this. So let's watch a clip of, of that. The very first act that this prime minister did when the pandemic hit was try to give himself unprecedented power and eliminate the role of the opposition in parliament. And now we know why, Mr. Speaker, because when they're pushing $300 billion worth of deficit out the door, they will stop and take the time to reward their friends. That is the essence of this Liberal Party under this Liberal Prime Minister. I don't even have a question, Mr. Speaker. It's just disgusting. The Honourable Prime Minister. 
Mr. Speaker, one would think that when uh, a, a House of Commons is about to pass legislation worth over $50 billion to help businesses with an extension of the wage subsidy, that there might be a question uh, from the opposition on that or on anything they want to bring forward. Uh, the fact of the matter is we remain focused on giving Canadians the support they need to get through this challenging pandemic. We will look creatively, we will look carefully at different ways of supporting students and elders and we will keep doing that, Mr. Speaker, for all Canadians. So, Nick, how, how is this affecting Trudeau's uh, personal brand? Well, you know, when we look at the uh, when we look at the longer term trend, you know, it's interesting, Michael. You know, we ask every week for all of the federal party leaders. We ask Canadians whether they think that the specific party leader, whether they have or do not have the qualities of a good political leader, and you know. Uh, check out uh, check out the trend for for Justin Trudeau. You know, one of the dips. Uh, when you look at that longer term trend back in 2015, where the, uh, do you remember the haircut? I know people, oh, yeah. well, there's the, it was <laughs> like the conservative haircut ads where the, the, the numbers for Justin Trudeau went down mm -hmm. ahead of the last, not the last, the 2015 federal election. We saw Justin Trudeau go on to win a majority government coming out of that and his numbers go up. And then you see the numbers go down again um, with uh, what I'll say revelations related to blackface, brownface during the mm -hmm. last election and now they go back up and now what we've seen at least in the last number of weeks a bit of a decline you know the thing is is that you know what we've seen is for the proportion of Canadians that believe that Justin Trudeau has the qualities of a good political leader it's dropped about six points from 65 to 59 59 is still a pretty good score right like I think mm -hmm. anybody would be happy with a 59 but what we do is we we like to look at the trend and uh, in addition to the ballot numbers going down for the Liberals what we're seeing is some negative pressure on perceptions related to Justin Trudeau in the, in the fallout from him trying to manage the controversy related to the we situation. So Nick, you referenced the blackface brownface uh, scandal. Um, and also this is currently his third uh, ethics investigation that the prime minister is under, but I want to look at uh, some of his previous apologies for uh, the blackface brownface scandal and also SNC-Lavalin and his most recent comments uh, this week on we. We have uh, moved forward uh, in many different ways of uh, trying to demonstrate a government that will consistently and unequivocally stand up to defend people's rights, to defend people against intolerance and discrimination. But I recognize there is much, much more to do. And I recognize that on a personal level, I deeply hurt and disappointed many people who considered me to be an ally. And for that, I am deeply sorry. Uh, first of all, I recognize that one of the fundamental jobs of any prime minister is to stand up for the public interest and to stand up for Canadian jobs. And that's exactly what I did. And that what I will always do is stand up for Canadians and their jobs and their pensions and their communities. We will continue to work very hard to deliver programs and services to Canadians who need support right across the country, including to young people who want nothing more than to be able to help out. Because of a mistake I made in not withdrawing from these conversations uh, when the Public Service recommended we move forward with the WE organization, um, it has gotten uh, a little slower for young people who are facing a difficult time right now to be able to uh, inv get involved in their communities uh, and make a difference. So Nick, there you go. Um, do you see any pattern in, in these apologies or, and, and, and how, how do they work? Well, you know, one of the things is what's, what's clear is that uh, Justin Trudeau is trying to focus on the intent. 
that uh, you know when it came to the the, the scandal related to SNC Lavalin, that uh, his intent was to protect jobs. Uh, when it came to the WE controversy right now, his intent was to help uh, young Canadians and university and college students. And uh, it's it's almost like him trying to say that you know my heart's in the right in the right place, but uh, obviously I, I've made mistakes and. And uh, he, he also used the word disappointment. And I think that's probably the one key word that probably for those individuals that did end up supporting the Liberals in the last federal election, might have been disappointed hearing about the blackface, brownface. That was probably the key word. But, uh, you know, I guess, I guess we, have to, we have to ask ourselves, are we in a world where it's three strikes you're out? Or is, mm-hmm. or is Justin Trudeau kind of like a cat with nine lives? Because if he's a cat with nine lives, He's got like six more lives to get through and <laughs> potentially survive. Yeah. So, uh, so, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, it's Justin Trudeau is not, you know, at election time, whenever that occurs, mm-hmm. he will not be judged against perfection because if he was judged against perfection, and I would hazard to say this is true for most politicians, if most politicians were judged against perfection, they'd never win because there'd be <laughs> something that, People just don't like about them. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that Justin Trudeau is not being measured against per, against perfection. He is being measured against likely the, the likely conservative alternative. Mm-hmm. So in the last federal election, even though some Canadians were disappointed, Justin Trudeau was seen as still being uh, better than uh, than Andrew Scheer. And you know, Canadians were very divided because just as many people voted for the conservatives as the uh, as the as the liberals, pretty well. So, so the big question is now is uh, who will be the next leader of the Conservative Party? Mm-hmm. And will Canadians think that, that that leader, that individual that, that will lead the Conservative Party of Canada, are they better or not, or not as good as Justin Trudeau? So, uh, so maybe he's going to say, hey, I'm not perfect, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'll try my best. Uh, but, uh, you know, the thing is, is when something like this happens, it's red meat for people that don't like the Trudeau Liberals. And, uh, and it's disappointment for those that uh, buy into what I'll say the liberal agenda and the liberal movement in Canada. Uh, this is also happening in the middle of July or mid to late July in the middle of the summer. So are, are Canadians uh, really paying attention to, to what's happening right now? Or, or do you think that they can, the liberals might actually be able to ride this out? Well, I think they can definitely ride it out in the short term because it's summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is... Uh, you know, basically what we have is an opportunity that the liberals have created, right? You know, we talk about, about governments defeating themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just another example of, of uh, a government making some decisions that has come back to, to bite it. Um, so, you know, I think they can uh, definitely survive in the short term because there's no election and the House isn't sitting. Uh, I think the big question is, is there'll be some kind of attack ad from the Conservatives. It'll probably be uh, a pretty compelling attack ad that includes the prime minister, the prime minister's mother, the prime minister's brother. It'll include the minister of finance, family members, and things like that. And uh, it'll just make for turbulence and difficulty for the liberals come the next federal election. So, you know, for the conservatives, they can keep their powder dry because, you know, if the liberal numbers go down now, it only means so much. For the conservatives, the game is to be able to attack the liberals when it counts, which is election time. So, uh, So, you know, I think if you're part of the liberal campaign team, you're going to have to brace yourself for probably some very relentless negative attack ads on mm-hmm. this issue because uh, because of the optics. 
Speaking of election time, uh, that's kind of a hint for your prediction at the end of the show. So please, for everyone to stay tuned. But uh, <laughs> these headlines on We Though, it's every single day. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon and Finance Minister Bill Marneau, it just came out, Nick, that he's paid back you know, more than $40,000 uh, for family trips, two family trips in 2017 that, that we paid for. Um, and you can see for their messaging again and again, they're trying to bring it back to the economy, helping Canadians during the time of the pandemic. So let's listen to uh, the, the finance minister uh, speaking earlier. We're proposing to extend this program through until December 19th. What we're announcing today is the, the changes that will be made up till the end of November or till November 21st. Those changes will be quite important because they'll give businesses the ability to know that they have the wage subsidy for longer. And so for businesses like Tanya's business here, she'll have confidence that this wage subsidy will be around right through until that time period. So she knows that she has the ability to hire back people to make her business work even in a time of a particular challenge. So Nick, that's the finance minister uh, speaking on the same day that he spoke at the finance committee um, about his role in not recusing himself from, from the wheat deal. Uh, reporters did ask him about that, but, but he just kept coming back to the wage subsidy issue and, and you know, issues that the government has been strong on so far. So, so it, it, are they able to change the channel in this way? Well, uh, I'm not sure if they're able to change the channel, but they're trying to change the channel. And the fact of the matter is, is that when, it, when it comes to the news cycle, there are only so many minutes in the day. There's only so much space in the newspaper. And, you know, when the Minister of Finance or when the government makes an announcement, it crowds out controversy. And, you know, this isn't a strategy that's... Uh, specific or unique to the Liberals. Previous governments have done this, including Conservative governments. It's a way to crowd out negative news. So expect the Liberals, you know, to try to weather the storm related to the weak controversy, but at the same time, continue to kind of announce what they've done on the pandemic because it's, it's been, it, the pandemic has helped them bolster their political fortunes mm. and Canadians have been generally accepting or satisfied uh, with the way the Liberals have been responding to the pandemic. But, you know, the thing is, uh, you know, two steps forward, two steps back, that's basically where the Liberals are at. You know, if they, if they built any goodwill coming out of the pandemic, it's, it's slowly being whittled away by this weak controversy. And what the Liberals have to watch out for is that they're just more twists and turns in the story because it feeds oxygen. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like for the Liberals, what they have to do is suffocate this story. The best way to suffocate the story is if nothing new happens. But whenever there's a new revelation, it keeps it alive and uh, it keeps it as a risk that they need to manage. And we're publishing this uh, on Friday, but we're recording it two days earlier. And who knows what's going to happen uh, in, in between those days. Uh, so what, let's talk about risks ahead for the party. Um, one, one of those risks in the future is Canada's tense relationship with China. Um, where the Liberals are facing this ongoing situation with uh, whether or not they're going to approve Huawei for 5G infrastructure. Uh, the detained Canadians, Michael Spaver and Ma Michael Kovrig, uh, the extradition process with Huawei exec uh, Meng Wanzhou. So how, is there any path through this for them? Uh, and, and what are the risks for them? Well, there, there is a path, there's obviously a path through it, but it's, a, it's going to be very unpleasant because 
the fact of the matter is the Liberals are stuck between a rock and a hard place. We have the, our most important ally and neighbor, the United States, uh, having a, what I'll say a testy relationship with China, who's mm -hmm. also an extremely important global economic and political power. Both of those countries are critical to the future prosperity of Canada. And, uh, and you know, there's any tension between those two countries kind of radiates uh, to Canada. And, you know, the thing is, is, you know, what's clear in uh, polling that we did for CTV in the Globe when we, you know, asked about um, a political decision compared to the courts deciding, what's clear is that Canadians are much more likely to support the courts making a decision on this. There's not a lot of uh, appetite when we ask about the concept of a prisoner exchange. Uh, people are more likely to oppose or somewhat oppose a prisoner exchange as opposed to support or somewhat support it. And the kicker is, it's like we're hitting a tipping point in Canada, it seems, from a public opinion perspective. You know, Canadians, I think, uh, Canadians pride themselves on being moderate, measured, right? We're a middle power. Um, and, you know, we asked about what the best approach should be for Canada, the government of Canada with uh, China. And uh, what I found quite surprising was that about 53% thought that the government should be more aggressive and that's the actual word that we used, while about 36% thought that we should be kind of pursuing diplomacy. It speaks to the frustration that's out there. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, this is going to be a risk related to the uh, Huawei executive, related to the Canadians that are being detained, related to 5G, our trade talks with China. My understanding is that they are dead, period, for yeah. at the current point in time. And, uh, you know... We need to have good relations with China. Let's like put it on the table. And some people might not like that, but uh, China is a major player in the world and we need to have cordial relationship with all major powers. Uh, speaking of another risk that lies ahead for the Liberal Party is a potential second wave of COVID-19 in the fall. If something like that happens, we're, we're already seeing numbers go up in, in places across Canada, you know, as containment measures lift. Uh, what's the risk for the party there? Well, you know, the thing is, is it's almost like an unraveling of the, of the pandemic goodwill, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, I think for Canadians, they're taking a second, a, a recurrence or a second wave seriously because of what they're seeing in the United States. They see the cases up in the United States. Now we're seeing some, uh, some stats out of some communities in Canada where there's uh, an increase in the number of cases for the first time in a significant period. And, and what's noticeable is that a proportion of these increases are actually young people, which mm -hmm. connects to kind of what I'll say a loosening or slackening of the regime to fight the, uh, to fight the pandemic. So if we think of all these risks, if, if we think of, why don't we just, if we had like retro, like rewind three weeks ago, mm -hmm. like, pandemic's under control, you know, people are getting back to normal, liberal numbers are up. And then it'd be mm -hmm. like, we controversy, ugh you know, more stress with China, not good, and a potential uh, resurgence of the, uh, of the pandemic. Uh, all those things point to potential risks for the liberals that, uh, that, that will be, I, th I think, difficult to manage. There's, those are, none of those issues are easy. Mm -hmm. uh, governing's not easy, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that they'll all pose risks that will require a significant amount of what I'll say, uh, handling and management of the government in order to, to negotiate through those risks. Uh, and speaking of what lies ahead for the party, it 
we're now at uh, the end of the show for Nick's prediction. Uh, Nick, would you like to offer a retraction? A retraction? <laughs> You're so harsh. You know, like I know. Two weeks is a long time in politics. You know, uh, prior to the prior to the week controversy, just looking at the numbers because I don't uh, I don't really speak to politicians. I just look at the numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, I looked at the numbers, and uh, I believe based on the numbers at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, the trend for the liberals that the liberals would probably be more interested in calling an election in the fall fast forward now and you know two three weeks is like a lifetime in politics yeah. the we controversy and the, a second potential outbreak of the pandemic i think uh, i'm going to reverse i don't know if you're going to play the clip in order to embarrass myself but <laughs> never we would I, never do that i'm reeling back i'm reeling back the election talk uh yeah. because uh you know now I'll reel back election talk in terms of the liberals winning election. Mm -hmm. Now I'd like to kind of flip the other side. If you're the conservatives, you might want an election. You might have a new leader before the liberals get a chance to attack that new leader. You know, if the economy is uncertain, if the pandemic breaks out, if the we controversy continues, mm -hmm. maybe if you are the leader of the conservative party, you might want, I'll say, a smash and grab election because now you're going to see, aha, a few weeks ago, the liberals were on their heel, were ahead. Now they're on their heels. Maybe there's an opportunity for a new conservative leader to shake things up. Oh, we will see. Uh, Nick, thank you very much. Thank you. And where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nick, N-I-K, Nanos, or on the web. You can go to the website where we have all those oodles of stats, www.nanos.co. And I'm also on Twitter at Michael Stittle. And for the latest news headlines, you can go to ctvnews.ca. 